Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're super excited. We are taking on a worthwhile endeavor at Life Success and Legacy. Our intention is to honor Nelson Nash, the man, as well as the infinite banking concept. We're going to create a series of resources, including podcasts and text, as a resource for others who want to truly understand with depth and clarity what Nelson shared in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, as well as the many seminars and think tanks that we were fortunate to have attended during his life. So who is this intended audience? Well, we will use Nelson Nash's own words. It is written for the layman, not for financial advisors, but all life agents should be thoroughly knowledgeable of its content and practice. So whether you are an individual, part of a family, a business owner, or a life insurance agent, this is for you. So sit back, relax, and we will walk you through becoming your own banker step-by-step so you can reference the parts you want to revisit at your own pace. And we might have a little fun along the way. Hey, welcome back to the Life Success and Legacy podcast. My name is Chris Bay. I'm part of the team at Life Success and Legacy, and I'm joined by the founder and almighty one, Michael K. Everett. <laughs> good morning. Good, good morning. How are you, Mr. Everett? I'm doing super good. Actually, my dog slept till 620 this morning. I thought it was noon. Yeah, that's a deal right there. It's four <laughs> months old now. So hey, has, uh, the, uh, has the uh, using your using auto as a chew toy stopped? Um, it, it's kind of coming and going right now. So okay. it's not an issue. Uh, I think Otto has realized that he's much faster than the puppies, so he can maneuver <laughs> around pretty quick. I mean, he's pretty agile. So, uh, but Otto is finally realizing he's he's much tougher than he thinks that he is. Mm-hmm. And you know, Otto's a what a, a three and a half, almost four year old miniature Schnauzer, and he's at best ten and a half pounds. Right. Well, the puppy is four months old. And a strong 15 right now. And the paws, the, the paws aren't quite the size of my hand, but they're darn close. Yeah. Yeah. Your, uh, your pet food bill is going to increase dramatically. It already has. Yeah. Yeah. It already has. <laughs> oh, well. And we got, we got Michael Crawford in the background who um, makes all this stuff happen. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate your work as always. Yep. Um, he's the one we would probably ought to have on here talking instead of me. He's got a lot more interesting stuff to say, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, for our listeners, thanks for joining us. Um, we always recommend people, if you don't have a copy of, uh, Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. Um, you can get one of those off of our website, lifesuccesslegacy.com. Um, mine is beat up. I got pages falling out. Mm. At some point, I'm gonna have to bite the bullet and me and me and you both do something. Um, that's let's not forget about the me. case for IBC and the new book written by Chris Bay, uh, Family Banking with Purpose. Woo. Those are also available. Look so, at oh, look at this. Look at that. Turn right that there. thing around. Turn that thing around. This is the fun part. Oh, look at that stud. <laughs> Shout that out is so to, funny. Uh, That's so funny because you have a jacket clients. on. You have a jacket on. I never on. wear a jacket. We never wear jackets, by the way. Ever. 
Yeah, that was <laughs> shout out to Christina Jonas for doing the photography on that. There that we was, go. That was like several years ago. I still had my old glasses on. <laughs> fun, so, fun. Um, yeah, and just to explain this book, again, it's not to replace by any means Nelson's book. Um, heck no. That's where you need to start is Nelson's book. But this book is, um, it's more of a parable. It's a story about a family who creates multi-generational banking system. You will not find any numbers. You will not find charts, graphs, anything like that. It is really about, as Nelson says, he says, this exercise in imagination, this is an exercise in imagination, reason, logic, and prophecy. This book is about imagination. For those it that- totally that is. Love the idea of creating a family banking, and it is short. I mean, you can read it in less than an hour and a half. Um, what, 69 pages. Yeah, you, you can blow through that pretty quickly, so- Check it out. We should have the Audible coming out in the beginning of October. People can keep an eye out for that. Um, it's available on our Family Banking with Purpose website and then also where all things are available, Amazon. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. All things. All things are available. So we are on page 63 for our listeners who are following along. Um, Tim O, shout out to Tim O. Um, Tim um, emailed us this week and uh, he's getting ready to set up his system and um, he said hey man uh, I like that you guys talked about backdating and I'm in a position where that can be beneficial he <laughs> says I just heard that on your last podcast so, ah! so somebody out there is listening Everett well I'll tell you Chris uh, <laughs> up in uh, Ohio too this is going to be perfect for the conversation that I had with him last Friday. Yeah. So uh, uh, this is totally awesome when people are uh, invested mm -hmm. in listening to, well, number one, you and me, <laughs> but number two, as we are digging in and diving into some of the things that are going on in Nelson's book, people are paying attention to some of the details. Yeah. And uh, uh, Chris in Ohio, Dude, he is a detailed guy. He is. He has <laughs> he scared, good questions. He scares me. I, I truly believe that he scares me. I, I can relate to Chris. I, he, <laughs> he reminds me of myself when I was researching and getting started and just wanting to understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just that desire to really understand and, and even understand at a level that may not even necessarily apply to my situation, but just because it's fascinating and it's a different way of thinking, you know, some people are just learners like that. That's right. Okay. So we're on page 63, the addendum. Um, Nelson added this um, since the initial publication of the book, because people had um, concerns with the the figures he was using in the equipment financing, primarily um, the dividend scale, okay? And um, he was using a scale from back in 2000. And as people were reading the book, they're like, well, dividend scales aren't what they were then you and know? all that. So might just, language is important. Vocabulary is important. Can yep. you describe for our listeners, what is a dividend in the context of a life insurance company? Okay, so 
Um, dividends are really nothing more than a return of premium. And if you go and you look in the IRS coding, I'm telling you, it says that dividends in life insurance are nothing more than a return of premium. So try to put this in your thinking cap for one second. When we get a life insurance policy, we pay premiums for the product. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. But dividends are a return of that premium. So that means at the end of the year, when the company has, has showed a profit, what they do is they return back some of the premiums that you've already paid. Hmm. Now, for some of the people listening right now, this is gonna make a whole lot of sense. For some of the people that are listening, they could be upset with some of the things that I'm getting ready to say. <laughs> what? You poking the bear? No way. Okay. So return a premium. I, I, I'm all about the dividends being returned to us because the way we design the policy is we use the dividend to buy paid up addition insurance, which adds to the base, which increases the dividend. And over time, these things expand greatly. But you go to some of the larger companies. So think of some of the larger companies, and I'm not going to say their names. Wow, that was really good, Mike Everett. I'm going to tell you, a, that, that is really difficult for me to not actually throw them under the bus. You but, like to hear that bump, bump when you drive. Oh, buddy. So <laughs> here's the deal. Great big companies, they are always touting their dividends. So if you go to their websites and you go to talk to some of their salespeople, they're going to go, but our dividends are X. And when they're coming and they're giving you a, I don't care if it's a four, a five, a 10% return on the dividend, stop right there. They are returning premium to you whether it's a little company, a middle company, a big company, they're just returning the premium that you have already paid. So these giant companies, what they do is, forgive me to some of our listeners, because you could be an agent with one of these companies, they're overcharging you for the product on the front end and then turning around and returning some of that overcharged premium. And then what they're doing is putting their chest out and saying, gosh, we're giving you a gigantic dividend and this is our rate of return that we're giving to you for the overcharged premium. And, and ah. just to add in that, the, the reason that they would do that is because our, as we talk about the, the, the tractor tracks in That's our brain, it. right, that are the, the way we've been taught to think over the last several decades is it's all about rates of return and it's about investments. Yep. And so life insurance companies aren't stupid. They're like, okay, if this is how people are thinking, we're going to play by those rules. Yep. So we're going to go out there and we're going to quote rates of return. And so then they start getting into IULs and all these other things that are tied to the market and tied to rates of return. And that's why Nelson goes back to some simple, simple things. And we have to provide these types of policies to our clients if they ask for an IBC policy, which that's all we do. Yeah. 
is it's got to be a whole life policy and it's got to be done with a mutual company, which means mutual is like a co-op and those dividends are returned to us, the policy owners. That's it. So what you're saying is the engineers inside the life insurance company over engineer, they, they overcharge, they over engineer yep. just to cover their, their margin. And they go out and they invest in things like bonds, yep. which are not exciting, but they are consistent and, and increase. And then when they make, when they make money, a profit, which they always do, yep. they then return part of that profit or part of that overcharged premium back to the policy owner. It is a return of premium. It is a dividend and it is not taxable. Have I got that right? Yeah, hundred percent. But here's the crazy thing. These insurance companies have been doing this for more than a hundred years. They absolutely know what they're doing. But when Nelson wrote the book in 2000, dividends were at a premium. They had high dividends. But what's happened to the market since 2000? We are in the tank. Interest rates are down. Dividends are down. But the bottom line is, if you are stuck on rates of return and dividends, you're missing the point you have completely missed what Nelson Nash has taught in his book. Yeah, your policy is not an investment. Go back to page three. This, not, this book is not about investments of any kind. It is not about rates of return. It's not about interest rates. And he says this, he says, it is true that dividend scales of most companies are down and yep. that will diminish the results. He says, but you're missing the main point of why I created your, your, of creating your own banking system. Yep. It is a system that consists of many life insurance policies and the number of years that each policy is capitalized must increase when interest rates go down. If you're going to expect similar results as those depicted, which is principle number two, right? Don't capitalize be afraid to capitalize. System generously. Yeah. Don't be afraid to capitalize, That's right? That's it. If you want a little out of your system, put a little in. If you want a lot out of your system, put a lot in. It is, right? it is really awesome. So in this, in this second um, paragraph here, he says interest rates are a function of the market. And depending on um, economic philosophies and such, some people think, hey, you got to let the market be free and let those interest rates go up and down. And in some cases, the Fed... Um, manipulates those interest yep. rates, which we've experienced recently. Yep. And so we know that if interest rates go down, that you're going to have to put lots more money into the bond, right? Yep. Yep. If interest rates go up, you don't have to put as much money in the bond to get as much. And the same thing applies with our IBC policies. It's, it's, and the it's really that simple. Yep. Okay. So Mike, now what Nelson does, and I'm down at the last paragraph on the first column, looking at illustration six, what Nelson did is he did an updated version of the illustration he used in the equipment financing. And he's comparing illustration two and illustration six, which is a new illustration. Yep. You want to talk, jump into that and talk about what he does there and why? Well, the, the reason why he did that is because interest rates were way down. That means that dividends were way down. Mm -hmm. And really, if we go back to just exactly what you said just a, a moment ago, if 
interest rates are down, you got to pay more capital. It, it can't be any simpler than that. So the bottom line is what Nelson did was he updated this later, later on to show that he needed to actually put more money in. So if you, and I'm just really going to go to um, the illustration. Oh, here, I've got to go to illustration six. I'm sitting here looking at five because it's across the page. So if you go, <laughs> if you go, to, I'm going to go to illustration two real quick. Okay. Illustration two, he puts 40,000 in and there's 157,363 in cash value. There's he does that for four years. Four years. Yep. So he's put 160 grand in. Keep in mind, interest rates are great and dividends are great when he did this in 99 and 2000. Mm -hmm. But then he starts the financing process in year five. Now, there's no way for us to really determine because he actually takes 52,600 out in year five. But if we looked at year six, so I'm going to go to year six, and he's already started the, the process. He's got 155,945 in cash value. I'm going to go back and go to year six on illust illustration six. Illustration two, there's 155,945. He starts the financing process. And there's 180,630. So there's 25 to 30 thousand dollars more mm -hmm. inside the policy, even with the financing that has started. He had in year four, it was 1.7 million dollars, but he has 1.684 over here, and then he has way more death benefit. Even I mean, it's life insurance. But yet the bottom line is he utilized the system and capitalized this. By the way, there was more death benefit available in the newer policy, the newer illustration, because more was going to buy the base death benefit inside the policy, even though the premiums were exactly the same. And why is that? Because in 99 and 2000, people were dying quicker, younger than they are in today's market because people are living longer. They're, they're taking better care of themselves. So all of this actually illustrates what the actuaries know in these home offices of these giant life insurance companies. Yeah, I mean, if you compare two and, and six... Uh, the at the bottom when he's looking at you know like years 37 through 55 and he's starting to pull out passive income yep it's the same in both of those he had that variable held constant but then if you look at the net cash value in when he's age 84 there is 2.84 million yeah and and there was less in illustration two and the death benefit is more in the, in illustration six as well. And the only difference is he just capitalized one extra year. That's it. Hmm. He dumped 40,000 extra in, but it's $300,000 difference. Yeah. I'm going, that's a no brainer. Well, 
you know, one of our friends, Mike Kwong, he always gets so frustrated with people who, who don't get started because he's like, it's not the this year that you're missing out on. It's the end year. It's and down that, the road. And that is significant, the difference when you look down the road. So, okay. Um, where in the world are we? Let me get back here. Okay, so yes, Nelson points out that the results are considerably better. Um, and then, you know, he could even finance even more equipment and improve on it. That's and then right. he, he says, you know, I hope this calms people's fears, right, <laughs> about the validity of the infinite banking concept. And again, that's, that's folks who are missing his point. It's not about the interest rates and rates of return. Can right. those things improve the system? Yes. Absolutely. That's not what it's about. Okay. Um, and he does highlight here, he says, your behavior in managing the system is the most important factor in the entire equation. Mm. I'm going to give an example here, Mike, and I'm curious if you have anything that you would share. I always tell folks when we're doing our coaching sessions and, you know, in the beginning, they're trying to get it worked out and we're doing our ongoing coaching. And I say, it, you know, those, those family recipes that get handed down from generation to generation. Yep. And there's always a secret ingredient that they won't tell anybody else. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I say the secret ingredient in IBC is regular monthly loan repayments. Boy, howdy. That it is so simple and yet so hard. If people will make regular monthly loan repayments, and we always encourage people to set up automatic uh, yep. loan repayments. So it's just drawn out of your checking account, right? If people will do that, the system just hums along. Well, I'm going to read the sentence prior to your behavior in managing the system is the most important factor in the entire equation. That's a quote, but the sentence before that says, none of the figures that you're going to see are set in concrete. Mm -hmm. They will vary with interest rates. And here's the key, how you treat your own system. Yeah. So your behavior is truly the most important part of this entire thing. So keep in mind, interest rates are going to go up. Interest rates are going to go down. Dividends are going to go up. Dividends are going to go down. But your behavior, and if you go back, go back and look at the grocery store in the book. If we're going to be the owners of our own banking system through IBC using dividend paying whole life insurance. If we take a policy loan, you just got through saying this, the most important factor is how you treat your system. So that means if you borrowed money from a conventional bank, you're gonna have to pay it back. If you borrow money from your own IBC system against the policy, you're gonna have to pay it back. So we talk about this over and over and over, turning the inventory. Mm -hmm. What is the inventory? Your money. Yeah, it's your dollars. So we got to help you through this. Um, sometimes those are hard conversations with our clients. Uh, we will ask them directly, how's your policy loan repayments going? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's ugly. And, and sometimes life happens, right? 
sometimes they get a curveball thrown at them and there's a change of employment status and things like that. And that's where our coaching comes in. I mean, pe- people who, who the, on the rare occasion where someone has not continued their policy, and I'm talking out of a thousand clients, right. probably less, less than five, it hasn't been because they didn't have the money it was because of discipline behavior. We, we can coach people through those rough patches that that's usually pretty easy. Cause there's so much flexibility yep. in the policy design and, and, um, and all that. So, okay. Mike Everett, this is the last page of the equipment financing section. We're going to be transitioning to part five which is capitalizing your system and implementation on page 65. Is there anything uh, you want to say about the equipment financing, anything that you want to wrap up as we transition to the next? Uh, no, next I think section? we've, uh, we've hit on all cylinders. I'm telling you that what we have to do four, maybe five podcasts. On I don't know. Equipment but financing. It seemed like it took forever. It's, it's good to go back through this stuff though. It is. It is. It's yeah. really awesome. All right. Well, to our listeners, thanks for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed that section on the equipment financing. There's so much information there. I mean, we reread these things so many times and, and still are reminded about some of these, um, these really insightful lessons that Nelson's included in here for us. So um, that'll wrap up the equipment financing. We'll head to part five, capitalizing your system and implementation next. Uh, thank you for joining us. Check us out at lifesuccesslegacy.com. Uh, lots of resources there, our learning kit, uh, multiple books, um, other podcasts. We've been doing these podcasts, I think, since 2016. Wow. Right. And ah. uh, <laughs> I laugh. I laugh every time I, I, tell, I tell the story. So some of the people who, who listen to us know me well enough now to go. And I remember when uh, Crawford comes and says, hey, you know, what? we need to do podcasts. And I go, dude, nobody listens to these podcasts. This is a really, really dumb idea. And then we did our first three podcasts and, and Mike Crawford came back and he goes, well, we had uh, 60 people listen to the podcast from 30 different states. And I go, man, weren't these podcasts a great idea? (laughs) (laughs) Crawford, he's got, he's got some gray matter going on up there. We, uh, we, uh, we have a little fun doing these things. We do. All right, listeners. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you on our next, next episode.